Welcome to Two Mamas in a Microphone. I am Amanda Solar. I am a woman going by she, her. Yes, I did say it. I, um, I am a mama of three girls. I am a professional uh, working full-time to help people grow their businesses. And I have a little side website, which kind of serves to help inspire all of us as we just live our lives. And I'm here with my other mama, Natalie Napoleon. And I am also a mama of three. My oldest is 20. Yes, I can't believe it. He's 20. Um, and my middle is 18 and my youngest is 15. And I have been a photographer for the last 20 years who went through a little bit of a midlife crisis in recent years, became a realtor and realized that I am a photographer. So I am now uh, a photographer again, although I never really stopped being a photographer. Uh, and I've opened a brand new studio in Doylestown, Pennsylvania, where we are recording this session. And I'm also building a online photography school to, that teaches photographers how to grow their businesses. And we are two mamas and a microphone. Where is that? Oops. <laughs> <laughs> Today, I'm going to pick a topic from Amanda's list on her phone. All right, let's see. Let's talk about, hmm, should I read them out loud to you? No, just pick one. Surprise me. Okay. <laughs> All right, let's talk about the messages we give ourselves. Oh, that's a good one. Okay. You can put a check mark next to that okay. so you can remember that we talked awesome. about that already. The messages we give ourselves. Okay, you start while I'm looking for how to put a check mark. I okay, so I picked that because um, my business coach yesterday shared a meditation with me. And so um, I've been listening to that since yesterday, last night, and this morning. It's actually a, a hypnosis um, episode, I suppose you call it, a recording. Cool. I was trying to listen to it while I was making dinner last night, so <laughs> I don't know how, how dinner came out. <laughs> I was definitely hypnotized because I would walk over to the refrigerator and couldn't remember what the heck was in the refrigerator, which I do on a normal basis, but it was just pronounced as I was listening to this. But anyway, uh, it was the whole point of the episode was to change the neuro pathways in your brain because mm. we over our lifespan are programmed by what our parents tell us, what we think we should be believing, what outside influences tell us to believe. So this particular episode has you repeat, I am enough over and over again. But she also talks about how you are not your a career, you are not your salary, you are not your uh, what your parents think of you. And then she has you imagine yourself as a baby and being your own parent, which was really interesting to me because it, I actually felt like I was going back to when I was a baby and I was, I could be crazy, but I was That's somewhat remembering being a baby. And I listened to it last night and then I listened to it again this morning. And what she says is once you believe that you are enough, then your uh, impulsive behaviors are going to stop naturally. Eating, shopping, overindulging, um, uh, drinking, anything like that. And so this morning after I listened to the episode, 
I felt inspired to go for a run, even though it's snowing outside <laughs> um, and, and drink more water than I normally would in the morning. So I have to like, I will have to seek that out. Yeah. And as you were talking, I was thinking, you know, we are not our job. We are not our car. We are not our thoughts. And to me, the most um, interesting thing about that is we think we are. Yeah. We think what we think means something important. And if we think it, it must be so. And I think <clears throat> sometimes I have to remind myself, this is just a thought in my brain. It doesn't mean it's right. And so if I think, oh, you know, Amanda, you stupid. Or if I think this, it is important for this to happen. It is a thought and I have to kind of disassociate from that thought. For me, what's interesting is that I have typically let my feelings rule my life. And so what I've recently learned is that feelings aren't reality. Feelings aren't true. Uh, they're basically those thoughts that have developed into some type of bodily feeling or emotion that you feel in your gut or in your chest. So just because you're feeling it doesn't mean that it's an immediate response to what's happening right in front of you. It's actually a response to what you've been thinking for the days or weeks or months or years before yeah. that particular moment. Yeah. I, I think um, it's a big mistake to think that our thoughts are right on target. We have to like kind of talk back to ourselves. I think it's kind of, my mom and I were talking yesterday, even about just prejudices and whatnot. And we were saying, you know, we sometimes have bad thoughts. And instead of saying, well, this is what I think and that is wrong. You kind of have to take your thought out of yourself, hold it in the light and say, oh, that's kind of an ugly thought. You know, let me re-examine that. Or why do I think that or, or whatever. That's very so I guess, of you. I mean, it's the only way we're going to change as human beings, honestly, because if we kind of look at everybody else and say they are the problem, the problem remains. You know, we all have control, essentially, to some degree of ourselves. And so I, I think it's the same thing. Those ugly thoughts or those ugly instincts or fear-based instincts are also applicable to the way we think about ourselves. And, you know, I think... Um, Forgiving ourselves for not being perfect is a great start, you know? And forgiving others for not being perfect because some people might not be able to dissociate from their thoughts or their feelings and they see it as reality. And their thoughts and feelings might be the polar opposite of what we're thinking or feeling. And we might not ever understand that. So it's important to approach people with grace in situations like that. I agree. I agree. And kind of listen. And, and also, you know, I'm, I, I'm always trying to change people. <laughs> I'm trying to change their minds. I'm trying, I'm trying to grow. And I feel like if I'm trying to grow, let's all grow and I can help you grow. <laughs> you may not even want to grow. And so everything with me sometimes is an interaction on how we can both transform. It's funny that you say that because I was thinking about that yesterday. It, in my youth and even until somewhat recently, uh, not so much the last few years, but I always thought that life was very black and white. 
that there was a right way and a wrong way, that everyone should be doing things a certain way. And when someone would tell mm. me they were doing something that I couldn't understand, I too would try to convince them that my way is the better way or this particular way, even if it's not my way, I know that this way is the way that you should be doing it. Until I realized that there is no right or wrong way. Life is very gray. There are a lot of gray um, moments and periods in life. So it's important to just listen and accept. Right. I mean, I try, I really do. I'll even say, who is your dog's vet? Because you should go to my vet. <laughs> or what salad dressing do you use? Because you really should try my, I think of it as helping. <laughs> well, I agree with you because um, I was speaking with a photographer yesterday who has a corporate job and he's considering leaving his corporate job to become a full-time photographer. And my first instinct was to say, why? Why do you want to do that? Because a lot of photographers are always looking to get quote unquote real jobs because it's a hard career to pursue. It's a difficult career to pursue. So it, I had to really hold back, even though I just said it now. So I guess I still got it <laughs> out of my system. <laughs> right. So, but I had to understand that he's living his own paradigm and he has to try what he needs to try. And maybe he'll be wildly successful with whatever venture he ends up pursuing. Absolutely. Because we're kind of putting our own fears sometimes on other people. And it is, since you just used the word paradigm, I'll use another like Stephen Covey phrase, which is seek first to understand. Yeah. And you know, it is, I'm, I was thinking about this this morning as I was listening to Matthew McConaughey talk, uh -huh. I thought, well, I always thought he was stupid <laughs> <laughs> and then I, re and he's not, you know, apparently he's smart. And what happened is I recognized that I am very East coast. Mm -hmm. I think fast and I talk fast and I move fast and I want everybody to go fast, fast, fast. One time when Victor and I were in Las Vegas. I remember standing in line for a bus and people stood there for a few minutes and they waited. And I was like, what is this? Get on the bus. Like what? <laughs> so I realized I, but I do equate speed sometimes with intellect. Absolutely. 100%. And, you know, so I'm always like, let's just get to the end of this and solve it. Let's just, so for me, I do need to tell myself to take a step back, even whether it's listening to myself, because sometimes I can plow forward and not even know that perhaps I should hesitate. You know, I don't pause and pausing is important. And back to coronavirus, which we've referenced, I mean, it did give us the opportunity to pause and sometimes pausing is important. It's interesting that you say that also, because in real estate, you're taught to respond immediately. Everyone wants an immediate response. There's no time to think or pause or consider what your response is going to be or how um, informative or how correct your response is going to be. And I think um, even though I too am very East Coast, I, I think I the issue I was having was that coupled with the immediate necessity for an immediate response, I was very direct and straightforward this is what needs to be done. This is what you need to sign. This is how much you need to offer. This is what you can or can't accept. And I think that in that type of situation, even though people want that immediate response, they aren't ready for uh, a direct answer. They yes. aren't ready for the final answer. They still need to work through that process 
of arriving to that decision on their own. Yeah. And I get that because I do a lot of watching as well, even though I've just, I'm just going to um, disagree with myself about myself for a second, because even though I do rush through my words and through my actions and in life, I do watch people very closely and carefully. And sometimes I find myself bobbing and weaving according to what I see reflected in their demeanor. So much so actually that I was talking to my oldest last night about this email she was sending. And I started to say, oh, I was, she asked me for an opinion and I started to give it and I saw her face change. And I said, oh, or we could. And she said, I'm just listening. Just, you can keep with what you're telling me. You don't have to, but I realized I was actually switching gears based upon her facial expression. Right. Because you're looking for that outward approval, that outward validation. So if you're not getting the validation that you think you should be getting, you think that maybe you're on the wrong track or maybe she's going to shut down and not listen to you anymore. I mean, yeah. Or, or I'm trying to actually find words that fit what she wants to say. And I'm thinking, Oh, maybe I didn't hit it. Maybe that's Mm. not what she wants to say. Right. I mean, I love like getting to know people too. Yeah. So that's kind of thrown in there. And, I mean, that's one of my favorite things. Uh, when I meet with people at the Chamber of Commerce, I always have to remind myself that there are things that you're not allowed to ask people because it's not polite. Because, you know, I want to say, okay, start at the beginning. Were your parents together or divorced? <laughs> are you adopted? Right. Do you know your parents? What nationality are you? <laughs> Whenever my kids meet someone new, I ask them all these questions about that person, and they're always just horrified yeah, right. that I would even consider that they would ask those questions, but it's fascinating, isn't it? Me too. Here's the thing. I always feel, Oh, and my Enneagram, yeah. oh, which you had me you take, with the I have bonded with the Enneagram and I don't like to be bored. And the fact that we are all human beings, you know, I get it. We're all the same. We all have hearts and lungs and bones and minds and brains and blah, 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 blah. So I'm trying to find like the differences, I think, oftentimes. And I also like to know what makes people tick. I I just think human beings are fascinating. It's one of my favorite things about parenting, kind of getting to be on the front lines and watching somebody go from birth through, you know, teenhood and we're interesting. Human beings are interesting. And I love to know like what is motivating that person. And I want to know that, you know, to a degree that probably is inappropriate. Well, I think that we're also very fascinated by how other people live their lives because we're wondering if maybe we're missing out on some key ingredient in our own lives. Maybe we're doing something wrong. Maybe there's a better way to do it. So I think that's part of it. And maybe there is. And that is the truth. I do feel like we're here to teach each other. And I do want to know how you did it. And I, I want to know, um, and I'll figure out if I want to add that into my life or, you know, discard it. But I am curious about, you know, what do people do when they wake up? Do they go right into their day or do they have some sort of ritual? You know, um, do they eat breakfast every day? I I kind of want to know a lot of information about, you know, my fellow human beings. I wonder that as well. You know? But on a side note, I just really need to bring this up. It has nothing to do with what we're talking about. I just think it's hilarious. I feel like I know what it is. (laughs) You might. And I'm just not done talking about it yet. 
<laughs> so when you came in this morning, yes, you were saying that your daughter wanted to order Pina's pizza. Right. And to me, you said, I need Pina's. And to me, it <laughs> sounded like you said, I need Pina's. Right. Which then you told me that the Smithsonian came out with an article yesterday. True that showed all the different did it show it or did it just yeah well, kind of it did okay so this is what happened i was reading my text and one of my kids said i need peanuts so i didn't surround that with any information i just looked down and said i need peanuts <laughs> <laughs> so natalie did think i said i need peanuts which i didn't say <laughs> and i said oh interesting that you should bring this up because yesterday i do get an email from the smithsonian and they said hey some animals have penises that do weird things or they're very odd. So of course <laughs> I needed to know more and I clicked on it and I wish I could, I wish I could, we had the time for me to like go through my phone and find it, but like these certain worms, they fight with them. Like swords. I, they didn't. So I didn't have the time I to really go into, I just, they have like a list of these animals and you know, so, I, okay, so let's talk about the worms. So do okay. the worms become like, a, you said it could have been a hook worm. So <laughs> does that mean that they become the shape of a hook and they stand up so that their penises are standing or are, are pointing forward and that's how they fight? Maybe okay. that's why they're called oh. hookworms. So it's called nine of the weirdest penises in the animal kingdom. <laughs> okay. Oh, I can't get it. Because, why not? because you don't subscribe? No, hang on. Let me just see. No, it's, I got it yesterday. It's because of something to do with Wi-Fi, and I don't want to waste our time oh. doing it. So, oh, here it is. None of the weirdest penises in the animal kingdom. Your nails are so okay. cute. Okay, let me oh explain my, my nails. So They're my like nails, <laughs> yes. I was talking to my friend, Roseanne, um, you know, my best friend since first grade. Shout out to Roseanne. <laughs> and my daughter was sitting there listening to us, and so she decided to paint my nails and anything to keep the peace. I just let her paint my nails while I was talking to Roseanne. And so they do look like bubble gum, but like they have pieces of things on them. Did it, did she paint them with dots or she, she has put this, dots on them? No, she one. has this nail polish where all of this like confetti, confetti kind of comes out. Yeah, isn't that? That's so So cute. yes, I have very fancy nail polish. So like um, the worm that, oh, fencing with a phallus. <laughs> the flat worm engages in penis fights. Um, is there a picture? There's a picture of the the um, the flatworm like tongue with really wavy sides. Yes, but I don't know that that's its anatomy. I believe that that's the worm. So in any way, in any case, guys, if you're interested, go on to SmithsonianMag.com <laughs> and you can learn all about it. And yes, I, so I get Smithsonian in my email and National Geographic and, you know, this one was a standout. So. Yeah, that's for sure. Well, thank you for going back through that for me. You are more than welcome. for me. Yes, you you're did welcome. tie into the conversation somewhat because it was a thought. It was a thought and it was one that just kept recurring. There you go. Yes. <laughs> I don't know if it really impacted like your thoughts about yourself. No, it really didn't. <laughs> or it might impact someone's thoughts about me. Or themselves. True. I don't know. I don't know. But either. anyway, it is really, I guess in addition to 
humans being interesting, so are the animals. Well, we are animals, so I guess that is we're just all very interesting. True. I mean, it's all fascinating to me. And that's what I love like when they unearth some bones, some new bones from an old dead person. <laughs> I used to want to be um, an archaeologist, right? I think I went through and that too. The people that dig in the yeah. ground and find the cool yes. things. Yes. I, I think I had a minute of that. I was thinking, I used to want to do, a, did you go through different career thoughts and, or no? A little bit. I think I always knew I wanted to be a photographer. I always knew I should backtrack. I always knew that I wanted to be an entrepreneur because mm. the secret of my success came out. Remember that movie with Michael J. Fox? Yes, but I don't, I don't know if I saw it. I never saw it. It came out when I was 12 and my mother wouldn't let me see it because it was rated PG-13. And I was horrified <laughs> that she wouldn't let me watch this movie that was going to tell me what the secret of my success oh could my be. Oh my gosh. So I think from an early age, I always knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I used to sell yes. um, bookmarks in my friend's neighborhood, and she used to write these books about Speckles the Bear. And so I would have her bind them, and then we would walk around to all of the houses in her neighborhood and try to sell them. Um, I always tortured her we, with things like that. We would have we had lemonade stands. We lived on a kind of a busy road, so we did try a lemonade stand on <laughs> at the end of my driveway once, but it probably wasn't <laughs> the best idea. But anyway, I sold caterpillars in the back of the bus in the sixth grade. I made eighty dollars. Wow! I sold friendship bracelets. So I think I always knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur, but there was a point in time where I thought I would be a lawyer, um, but that really... I always wanted to be an entrepreneur, or I I was always teaching, or I, I want, but I did shifty things. Like one time, I may have told you this before, but I took all of my books. I needed money. So I decided to go around the neighborhood and sell my books, which I love my books. I was an avid reader, but... I knocked on doors and people were not buying my books. And I thought, oh my gosh, my parents always buy when people are selling. Kids. Yeah. And then I thought, oh, you know, those kids say that they're doing it for the poor. <laughs> so I started knocking on people's doors and said, hi, I'm selling these books for the poor. And people bought them? They bought them. <laughs> So I had this bag of money and I come home and I'm a little kid and I'm thinking, okay, how am I going to explain this bag of money? So I guess I was young enough not to be the best crime master because I took the bag of money and I put it under the bush that was right there as soon as you came out of the door. Okay. Just a bag of brown money. paper bag of money. Uh -huh. And I went inside and continued my life. And my mother came out and of course she saw the bag of money and she said, you know, is this yours? And my mother was like the grand inquisitor. She could look at me and it was like I was sitting in a darkened room tied, hands tied behind my back and she had a flashlight and she was like, what is this money? And what did you do? That's so funny. <laughs> and I was like, I sold my books and I said it was for the poor. That's so funny. And she made me go back around the neighborhood and give the books back and tell people that it wasn't for the poor and this and give the money back. I mean, and so most people gave the books back, but this one woman was so mad at me that she kept the books and the money. Yeah, I know. I always, I always felt like that was wrong, but whatever. Um, so that was one of my entrepreneurial endeavors. Another, I used to ask people for material 
And then I would, with a friend, make clothespin dolls. And they didn't really have hair because we didn't get to that point, but I went around and tried to sell them. Or we did a lot of shows in the backyard. Did you do that too? We did shows in the in the living room okay. at yeah. Christmas um, for our parents. Yeah, I did shows. We had a bench in the backyard and that was like the stage. Or um, I also, if my mom told, like one time my mom gave me a book about, you know, where do babies come from? That's so funny. So I gathered all my friends. <laughs> I had this place where I would teach uh-huh. and they were so tolerant. Um, and I said, guys, I have some info. And I taught them what I knew with the book. And they were a couple like years younger than me. So it didn't go over big and, you know, people would complain and often like to my mom. But I felt like, again, I was spreading much needed information. Yeah, that's so fun. Um, I was underappreciated. I didn't live in a neighborhood like that. Oh, we interesting. Lived in a rural area. Mm-hmm. So for trick-or-treating, we had to drive from house to house, which kind of took the fun out of it. <laughs> I think we hit like five houses one year, and then oh. I would go into town. We lived right outside of town. We lived in the township, oh, got which it. was a little more spread out and not the particular we didn't have neighborhoods in the township back then there That's are neighborhoods there now but there weren't in the past it was like farmland it was it was farmland yes well i had we i mean we had a great trick-or-treating neighborhood and my one um this is the show's dedicated to roseanne <laughs> because she would come over dressed as raggedy ann she was the cutest thing ever even when she wasn't dressed like raggedy ann but she would take her raggedy ann doll clothes off of this raggedy ann doll she had and every year she would put it on herself she looked perfect. So she had a big raggedy Ann? She had a big, big, one, the big one? Yes. And I mean, this raggedy Ann outfit lasted her years. And one Halloween, you know, my mom, I don't know, we weren't, uh, Halloween was always tough. I was a hobo. I know. Not politically correct. <laughs> well, again, yeah, we I did back say then. a hooker, so I'm glad you said hobo, not a hooker. No, I mean. I guess that would go with the I need penis. Who, I mean, what? You know, a hobo is not a good thing, but whatever. That's what we did back in the day. But I, this year, my mom, we had to dress up at school like a saint or something. My mom had me be Mother Teresa. So she thought it was like the perfect outfit to just continue on for going around the neighborhood. So I had sheets and old makeup with her eyebrow pencil to make myself have wrinkles. So we would go up and people go, oh, Raggedy Ann, oh my gosh, you look so cute. And what are you, a ghost? Aww. And I would say, no, I'm Mother Teresa. And then they would say, who's that? And I would say, you know, she takes the babies out of the trash cans in Calcutta. <laughs> and it was just such a downer on oh, Halloween. You had to describe your costume. I had to describe it. And it was like me just preaching. I was basically preaching at every house yeah. we went. And finally, at the end, my I was very bedraggled. My sheets were all hanging off of me. And they would say, what are you? And I would say, ghost. <laughs> so, there's, so now I tell myself that I'm not crafty because those are the costumes that I was able to make. And guess what? I'm not, and I hate it. So that is actually I'm not an crafty either. I think you really. are. I beg to differ. I mean, I like that. Okay, so we'll talk about Michaels a little bit. Okay, here now, yes. Since you hate Michaels, I do. And I 
I do. Do not understand that <laughs> in the slightest. <laughs> like, I'm not going to go into Michael's and buy a whole bunch of crap and put together a scrapbook. I, I, that's not me. I don't do that. But that's I, actually more me, but go ahead. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I do like going in there and buying, like self-healing cutting mats to cut my mat board on for my framed pictures or i like to go in and see the cool tags they have that you can use as price tags for your things um but i'm I'm not going to go in and whip something together with raw ingredients well yeah i go in because my kids like crafts and I say to them things like, how much, how much longer I'm actually getting sick. I'm getting physically ill by seeing all this craft material. It's all unfinished. Don't they have stores where they sell finished things? Do we have to go and make it? Like there's a wreath. My, just go buy a wreath. Somebody made it somewhere. So did we unintentionally tie back to the beginning of our conversation? Maybe. Is this something that we're telling ourselves <laughs> to yes. believe? So is there- this is what I have to say about that. Some things we tell ourselves are dead on. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like when I say, Amanda, you're not crafty. My inner spirit can say, Amanda, you are right. Okay. All right. (laughs) That's good. So we're not always wrong about ourselves. We're not always wrong. We're not always giving ourselves. I'm not offended that I'm not crafty. I make friends with people who are crafty. That's true. Roseanne, who we've mentioned many times, is craftsy. Yeah. You, whether you know it or not, are I'm crafty. Not really. You even put a beautiful frame on my daughter's. Um, That's just a frame. That's the frame that I. It was hard. I had already put together that I put together like There's three that years mirror. ago. That was that's. She put a mirror up in her bathroom. Crafty. I think that's. Uh, handy, maybe. <laughs> I'm not handy either. <laughs> Sometimes I'm handy, and I'm not necessarily handy with the drill. But I was really proud of myself because whenever I do try to hang my photographs, I end up with 500 wall holes in the wall behind the photograph before I'm actually able to hang it. And then I had to strategically cover all the holes I made. But this time, it was a one and done type of deal. I drilled the holes, hung it up, and I was done. See, maybe the messaging says we don't make a judgment about it. Like maybe the bad messaging going back to that first is that, that we know things about ourselves and we judge it. Mm. Like... I would rather read a book than sweep the floor. Yeah, well, what yeah. a terrible human! Right? <laughs> Maybe just say, yeah, you know what? You'd rather read a book than than sweep the floor. Maybe you are, you know, a well-read, literate person. Yeah. Maybe we take those messages that we give ourselves and turn them on their head and make them positive. Yeah. I'm just trying to t- yeah. turn it back. I think that's good. That's good. good. Or maybe it's one of those and situations. Maybe you can read a book and sweep the oh, floor later. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Or you or can that. have someone else sweep the floor later. Or that, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Well, that was great. I'm glad we took the time to talk about the thoughts that make who we are. Yes. You've learned a lot, haven't you? You learned a, about, you know, animal anatomy yeah (laughs) (laughs) and you know shifty business absolutely (laughs) thank you very much for sharing all that insight with us today i appreciate it you're welcome all right well thanks for joining us we will see you next week bye bye